All right, here we go. All right, rock and roll. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to episode 127 of the Run the Riot podcast. 127. That's a lot of podcasts. (laughs) It's been fun. Well, today on the podcast, we've got Miss Megan Gould. And um, man, we had a great conversation. Um, Man, after years of fighting sciatic nerve pain, Megan began to to search for a reason behind it. And uh, man, she did some digging, she started learning, and she, she, she didn't want an invasive way to fix it. You'll hear her tell the story. Uh, now she's been running pain-free. She's become a functional movement and ultra-running coach. She's run all the distances, like from 50K to 200 miles. Yeah, she's done the, she did the Tahoe 200 last year. She was there the same time I was. Wait, did we talk about that a little bit? It's awesome. Uh, Megan also has her own podcast. It's called She Runs Ultras. And um, her big focus right now is helping women run their first 50K. And her goal is to help 10,000 women run their first 50K in the next five years. And she's developed a program dedicated to that purpose. And so this was a great conversation. We talk about a lot of things. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it from, from training to the running the races to the store. It's, it's a great podcast. But before we get started, you know, we got to talk about our, our sponsors. Yeah, we got, we have to talk about our sponsors because you know, yeah, there are sponsors. <laughs> First of all, the Outlaw Race Series. Have you signed up for any of their races yet? If you haven't, you need to. Uh, there are all of them. They're about to have the Outlaw 100 uh, here in February. And there are distances from 135 miles all the way down to a 5K. Uh, and then there are a ton of other races. The Lake McMurtry race in Stillwater in April, um, that one goes up to 100K. A Greater Roadrunner, uh, Greater Roadrunner Trail Run at Romano State Park. There's a 4 and a 6 and a 12-mile option. There's the Flower Moon in Pawhuska. That one goes up to 50 miles and has all the distances below it. The Dark and Dirty in Wilburton in July. The Flat Rock in Independence, Kansas in September. And the Thunder bird in norman in november and now they're also doing the prairie spirit and the kansas fall uh, ultra extravaganzas in south kansas those are fantastic races uh if you want a pr 100 miler prairie spirit is your key man that's where i've got my pr great races uh so check out go to www.outlaw100.com uh, man, you want great races. You want with good support. Man, they will take care of you. Uh, and just come visit Oklahoma, man. Come check it out. All right, outlaw100.com. Also, we're brought to you by Pure Tiva uh, for recovery. It's CBD. Uh, man, good stuff. I love the sleep chews. Man, I sleep like a baby. But there's also a roll-on. Um, it's got 1,000 um, milligrams of broad-spectrum CBD, um, and it's it's got magnesium infused in it. Really good for sore muscles, for pulled muscles. All of it's made in the USA. Uh, there's also a cream that's fantastic. If you go to tiva.terio.run, that's T-I-V-A 
www.terriotherriot.run. Um, we're also brought to you by Runners World Tulsa. Check out Runners World Tulsa, www.runnersworldtulsa.com. And if you are in Tulsa, you, that's, you need something, you got to stop by there. They've got all you need. I just went over there uh, and tried on some different shoes because I'm, I'm, I'm open to other brands now. And so I was like, man, I hadn't tried on other shoes. And, and uh, Barbara there, man, was just handed me stuff. And it was awesome. And I got to try on all these other shoes and, you know, just tell them what you need. And these guys are experienced. They've run the races. They know what it's like to run ultras, all the distances, and they will help you find the shoe that's perfect for you. So go to runnersworldtulsa.com. Also check out the races that they have there on their site. And last but certainly not least, Long Run Coffee. Um, Dude, electrolyte infused coffee. I love coffee. I drink coffee every morning, uh, usually at least a couple glasses. Uh, Coffee is good. And if I can get my electrolytes infused in it, because, you know, after our run, we sweaty and all that stuff. We we, we are electrolyte uh, depleted. So uh, electrolyte infused coffee. If you go to coffee.runtheriot.run. Uh, hey, we got our own um, our own kind of coffee there, man. Check it out. It's got the, the, the Run the Riot podcast on the label. It's good stuff. So check it out. Go to coffee.runtheriot.run. All right. Well, I think that's it for now. Well, let's, let's go on to this podcast, man. It's good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Megan Gould. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got Miss Megan Gould. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. It's been a busy day at work, but uh, mm. always look forward to after work getting to chat with people on a podcast. It's fun. Well, I've been looking forward to this too because we we share a lot in common. So uh, I think it's going to be a good conversation. Yeah, I know. It's always good to you know talk about running and and all the things you know. So it's yeah. good. Well, hey, where are you? I don't even know where you are. I live in New Hampshire. In that tiny little state that most people don't even know about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, like I, what? Is, okay, what is New Hampshire known for? Uh, well, the White Mountains. We got. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of peaks. Uh, Mount Washington, to be specific, that's okay. the highest peak. Um, but you know, if you kind of go from Boston and drive diagonally up to go to Burlington or Montreal, you'll sort of drive through New Hampshire, and you okay. will sort of go right through where I live. <laughs> nice, nice. So, do you get to run those mountains or? play out there? Yes. I live a couple hours South of the white mountains, but so we've got a couple smaller peaks around here that we run. Um, but yeah, right now in January, not runnable, lots of ice, um, and, and a little bit of snow. So a little more dangerous. So we stick to the dirt roads for a few months and then hit the trails early spring when things start to thaw out. Nice. Nice. Are you from there originally? Yes. Yeah. I grew up in New Hampshire, grew up in New Hampshire, went to school in Vermont for a little bit, traveled, uh, for quite a period of time when I, when I was a desk jockey, uh, had a corporate job and then decided, yeah, New Hampshire was the place to be. So came back. Oh, awesome. Awesome. You don't have a a Northeastern like strong accent or anything. That's so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what anybody from New Hampshire would talk like. (laughs) You know, it's sort of like, um, I actually, it's, it's funny that you say that because there have been other people that have said that to me too. And I don't really even know what a New Hampshire accent would sound like. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with the Maine accent, because that's pretty distinctive. I don't, I definitely don't have a Boston accent. So (laughs) I feel like I'm a good, I'm I'm neutral. I'm pretty neutral, which is good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny you mentioned Maine because um, Maine has a lot of I'm from South Louisiana, like Mm -hmm. the Cajuns. And 
And so some of the people that escaped Nova Scotia ended up in Maine too. Yes. So like, there's a lot of like, I'm a Terrio and a lot of Terrios, Thibodeaux and yep. people that, I don't know, they, they probably don't talk exactly like the Cajun accent, but you know, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I know a fair, I know a fair number of Thibodeaux and, and they have a, like, they descend sort of from that same area and they have more more Canadian accents than Cajun yeah. accents, but <laughs> yeah. All right. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So you said, uh, you know, that you, you did the, 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 the corporate thing and all that, but let's mm -hmm. go back even, even way before that. Cause you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're a runner and, um, but did, did you always run? Like, did, no. did you do, you didn't, you didn't do sports. What about school? Did you do sports? Well, in school I, or yeah, I did sports yeah. in school. So growing up, I played a lot of soccer and, um, softball. I did gymnastics. I actually played four years of D2 softball in college. So played a nice. lot. Uh, but running was never a thing. Like it was always our punishment, right. For yeah. poor performance. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I never really took up running per se until after I graduated from college because I no longer had organized sports. So I needed something to stay healthy and yeah. burn off some stress, right? <laughs> Go to work, you got some stress. So I uh, took up running and it was mostly just like on the treadmill around my neighborhood, um, nothing nothing long distance for sure. I thought that was crazy. Like most people yeah, yeah. when we get started, it's, it's crazy. No, I'm just, I just run five K's around my block. That was the extent of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what, um, I mean, what caused ended up causing the shift and how long, like did, you know, go from, from short distances to, yeah. you know, when, when did you do your first, I don't know, half marathon marathon? When did that happen? Well, Funny enough, my brother, my younger brother actually challenged me. I was living in, um, in Boston at the time and my younger brother, who was also a sports player, but never really a runner, like challenged me to do a half marathon. And I was like, okay, fine. So we did the BAA half marathon, which sort of like goes around Boston. And, and I thought, you know, that was like a big deal for me at the time. So I trained a lot yeah. for it. Um, ran a lot, did he beat me. <laughs> 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 I will on the record say that he did beat me. I expected it. He, he was yeah. younger. He's younger. He's much faster than me. Um, and how old were you at that time? Like, Oh gosh, I was in my twenties. Cause I didn't run my first marathon, okay. my first full until I was 30. Okay. So I must've been 27, maybe okay. I'd really have to dig back. Um, so yeah, I was, I was on the younger side, but he was much younger than me. He was like 23. So, and faster. So he won. And then I kind of was just like, wow, that that's kind of fun. Maybe I want to do it again. Yeah. So I decided I wanted to run. Then I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm very goal oriented and I like to, I like forward progress. So yes, I got yes. the idea in my head that I was going to do a full marathon. So I searched around for a while and found out that there was, um, a marathon on my birthday, which is actually January 18th. So it makes it kind of tough to run a marathon on your birthday in the Northeast. Yeah. But yeah. I found one in Arizona. So it was the rock and roll, uh, it was a rock and roll series race and it was on my actual 30th birthday. So that was my first full marathon. So I got to escape the snow, go to Arizona, run my first marathon. And it was a ton of fun. So, yeah. So how I always like to, you know, the progression. So, you know, you did, yeah. you did the half marathon and you do the marathon. How did your body, how did you respond to it? How was your training leading up to it? Did you do like a, a proper training block? Uh, did you get a coach or? Well, the one thing I actually, um, so I, I did get a coach, but the one thing I sort of glazed over slash forgot to mention is that, um, during my days as a, a corporate employee, I did a lot of sitting. I also did a lot of traveling, a lot of red eye flights, uh, a lot of driving. Um, yeah. and as a result, 
And actually I should go back because it sort of started in college. I developed this, you know, when you play sports in college, you're, you sort of take a beating. Um, and back in those days, this was like the early 2000s. <laughs> Like very dating myself here. You're dating yourself. Early I'm not going to ask how old you are. I won't do it. I'm 44. I'm 44. In the early 2000s, we there was no strength training for female athletes and for yeah. athletes that weren't on scholarship in my particular situation, right? Like yeah. uh, I, I walked onto the team. I didn't get scholarship. We had access to the gym, but we basically did whatever workouts we could find or adapt from mostly like either cosmopolitan or like the men's, you know, fitness magazine. So there yeah. was no instruction. So basically back in college, I started to develop, um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but now I know it was severe sciatic nerve pain on my right side. And huh. it, it came and went, and it was very aggravated, obviously when I played a lot of softball and then it went away. And so it sort of came and went all the way through from college, all the way through, uh, basically all the way through my mid thirties. And I went to go see a bunch of different doctors some specialists. They all wanted to give me high powered drugs or send me for invasive testing. And I was just like, guys, I think we've skipped a step here. <laughs> like, I feel like there might be something that we could do yeah. that's in between. So the, going back to your original question, I was running and training for these races and, you know, the half marathon, no problems really. But then when I started to get up to the marathon distance and mind you, I was doing all road running because I was living in Boston. So just yeah. pounding the pavement, spending tons of time. I didn't even really know back then that trail running was a thing, right? Even though I grew right. up in New Hampshire and would hike a lot of trails, no idea about trail running. Right. So through that training block leading up to my first marathon, I have these very vivid memories of being out on a long run and having to walk like over the Longfellow bridge for any of you guys that are listening that know Boston, you know, sort of geography, walking over the Longfellow crying in so much pain, but like, didn't want to like oh. let anybody know. Cause I was just like, this is, I should, I should be stronger than this. Like, I don't know why this is happening. It's, a couple of times I was on the verge of flagging a cab and having them drive me home because I just, I didn't quite know how I was going to make it. Um, and I lived in the North end. So that's, that's like a long trek. <laughs> so yeah, it had to get home. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, I basically walked, I walked and, uh, I had a good cry while I walked. <laughs> and then if I, if the pain subsided then then I went back, uh, to jogging slash running. So, um, so I basically worked through that pain and I finished my first race, but it wasn't pretty. And I was like, I want to do another one of these so that I, um, I know that I'm not a one hit wonder and I want to get to the bottom of this pain issue because I, it, there were times I'd have to lay on my bed to get dressed, like to put my pants on. Cause I couldn't bend over. I couldn't yeah. pick things up off the floor. I couldn't sit for any extended period of time. You know, everything seemed to aggravate it. I never knew when it was going to hit me. And it was just like this unpredictable, I mean, you're yeah. just living in fear of the pain and you never know when it's going to strike. So that that's really wasn't living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, yeah, that's, that's tough. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had sciatica or, mm -hmm. you know, pain before. And I like my mom even had it at one time where mm -hmm. she, she was, you know, I got an inversion table kind of, so, yep. and, and that would help part of the time. But, you know, when you're an active person, when you live an active lifestyle, 
And and some people listening, I mean, some people are listening right now are injured and, and they're saying, hey, I can relate, you know? Yeah. But you know, it's it's hard. It it's hard to 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 live like that, you know, when you want to do and you just you just you can't, or if you can, you're just not sure when you're gonna get shut down. You know, how do you mm-hmm. plan a race? How do you sign up for races if you Yeah? You know? yeah. 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 One of the things that was is eye-opening for me being on the other end of it now. So spoiler alert, I've been pain-free for quite a long period of time through a lot of the stuff that like I talk about um, on my podcast and and coach my clients on. But um, so I, I didn't accept any of those treatments. I basically, it sort of launched me onto this trajectory of trying to figure out the root cause of this pain. Yep. But now being on the other side of it, um, I... I can't even imagine going back there. And it's funny because when you're there and you're in so much pain, you don't remember what it's like to be pain-free. And it's just crazy. Like I'll do things now. I have this every once in a while, I'll do something. I'll and I'll have this remembrance of how I used to modify it. And it's a normal thing. Like I said, like I would lay on my bed and try and swoop my pants (laughs) over my feet to try to get dressed. And it's just like, I don't, I can stand on one foot. I can balance. I can do all these things that back then were, were not even possible, not even at all, like a, not a glimmer of hope that I would be able yeah. to do those things. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, you, so you're on this journey, like while you're, you're, you're running, you're doing your half marathon, you're running a marathon. And so you're, mm-hmm. you're in pain yep. and you're trying to figure this thing out. And yep. so that is, yeah. So what, what is, what, what kind of work did you do? I mean, was it, was it anything in physical uh, or just, just sitting at a desk or just. So what I, what I started out, like, you know, the root cause of all of it was the sitting and, yeah. um, the lack of proper training. I mean, I would do the, you know, the, what I call the fancy stuff that ever you see in the magazines that you see on maybe even Instagram and, and Facebook and social media these days, like the, you know, the crazy workouts that all the trainers are posting. And so of course, you know, back then we were seeing it in the magazines and we were doing all that stuff. And we didn't know any better. So I was doing the wrong stuff and not training the right stuff. And so over time, so I started, I started doing yoga, but then the type of yoga that I was doing was more of like a faster flow type of a thing, which was not what I needed. So then I started to just research this more and set me on this trajectory. So first I became a personal trainer, a certified personal trainer. And so I learned how to strength train. Then I decided, um, then I just, you know, you just, once you gather up one certification, it's sort of like a snowball to all these up, other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, so I did personal training. Then I got different certifications within personal training on specific things. And all the while I'm my own Guinea pig. So I'm testing all of these things and I'm trying to figure it out. And eventually it led me to uh, a better form of yoga, slower, more focused on, you know, poses and alignment, which I really noticed that I was all sort of out of whack. Um, and then it led me to this whole world of functional range conditioning, which is really drilling down to specific joints, their capacity. And so along the way, I'm just testing all of this stuff and finding, you know, little things that work, things that don't work. And meanwhile, I'm talking to you know, friends who are massage therapists and chiropractors and other yoga teachers and other personal trainers. And just sort of like, 
hoovering up as much information as I can and trying to test it on myself and eventually landed in this place where now I've been pain-free for, oh gosh, every time I say this, I have to like go back in my head, definitely over 10 years now, no, no sciatic issues yet for 10 years, which is life-changing for sure. Well, isn't it, isn't it amazing? And, and I definitely want, I want to get back to, to the things that you've learned in coaching, yeah, but I want to get yeah. back to your journey, but isn't it amazing how so many people are so quick to just do what the doctor said, you know, yes. take, take medicine, uh, do invasive exploratory, whatever, instead of letting the first thing they do be something natural. It's kind of the same thing with, you know, people who are dealing with health issues when they're, when they're uh, unhealthy, instead of mm-hmm. like, how about I try to eat healthy first, you know, <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, try to, I'm, I'm pre-diabetic or something. I need to, let me, let me just change my diet first before I start taking pills and stuff or high blood pressure, yeah. all those things. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we are made to, I don't know, to heal ourselves, man. And, oh, and, I totally uh, agree. I totally agree. And that's one of the things that I try and, um, tell people all the time, just about, I try and share my story in hopes that they will also take that same approach because they're, you know, unless it's something that is life-threatening, obviously I'm not advocating to like skip all medical treatments, but like, if it's something like this, definitely sort of peel back the layers and see, I just got really curious about the origins of it. And I was like, I just don't think we, we need to fast forward. It's not life-threatening. Yes. It's annoying. Yes. It's painful, but on the scale of one to 10, it's, you know, in reality, it's probably about a three, you know? Um, and so I, I figured why not just like work through this and try and figure this out. Cause I'm just much more of a fan of if there's no natural or, you know, easy solution in that sense, uh, non-invasive, non-medicated option. I'd rather take that route, but if there isn't one, then yes, I will come back and we'll have this conversation again. And they were just very quick to be like, well, I don't know what it is. That was the key. I don't really know what it is. And since you can't pinpoint it to a specific something, we're not going to take the time to, you know, do a detailed analysis of this here, just do this or here, just take this. And I was like, okay, next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, this is, and, and this is probably a journey. Uh, it sounds like of, of, of years while you're running yes. races and, and you're just experimenting with yourself while you're training. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so during this time, are you mainly running like just marathons and, and, you know, kind of progressing there? Yeah. I did a handful of marathons. I probably did three or four and, you know, a handful of five K's and a couple half marathons. And it just got to the point where I was like, okay, this is fun, but it's a lot of pounding of the pavement. And I want to say it was after maybe my second or third marathon. I, it's so funny. like very, very cliche. I was introduced to the concept of ultras in like a runner's world magazine, um, article. And I was just like, I think it was one where they were talking about running a hundred miles and my mind was just blown. But at the same time, I was sort of like, okay, but tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds ridiculous, but I want to learn about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But like, maybe I might be interested (laughs) in it. So, and so through, I did like, did a little bit of research and, and found out like, oh, okay. You don't have to go from marathon to hundred miles. You could go to this next distance, which was a 50 K. And so that's what I set my sights on. And in between that time and when I ran my first 50K, I actually moved out of the city back to New Hampshire and had access to more trails and more roads that were dirt roads and not 
con- the concrete jungle of Boston. Yeah. So it worked out very nicely that I could start to do this, but it was a solid six years between mm-hmm. my first marathon and yeah. my first 50 K. So it took me some time to sort out the details. Like, you know, I had, I actually, <laughs> um, funny side story. I actually got laid off from Pepsi twice in, uh, in the, over the course of like two years. So that's what ended up, uh, I didn't even know that was like a, a possible yeah, thing, but yeah. like okay. got laid off from one <laughs> position, was able to pick up another and then got laid off from that position. So it sort of like worked out in my favor. Cause I got laid off, but still, so, <laughs> so I had to find a new job, had to move out of the city, trying to figure out, can I run these trail races? Where are they? And back then there weren't very many in the Northeast. It's like huge out West, obviously, but up yeah. here there, they were a little more sparse. So I had to really yeah. dig around and find, uh, find a suitable race. Yeah. So, and then there's an, there's a, there's an adaptation too, from not only running the, you know, longer distance or whatever, but just, just switching to trails. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, especially if you're, if you're, you know, if all you've done is roads, your, your, your pace is really important and you know, you, you got things dialed in just right. And, and, uh, it's not, you know, <laughs> It's not the same. Every trail's different and, you know, trails different from the road. And, and so you've got to, you've got to shift mindsets, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Tell me about, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I wasn't really ever focused on um, pace or speed because I'm just, I'm just not fast. Um, And I know that's a mindset thing. Like I I could certainly be fast, but I just really enjoyed kind of cruising along. Um, You know, I came to running as a way to be healthy. I really hated speed work and sprinting to this day, I really don't enjoy it. And I, I hate it too, but I do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know it's like a necessary evil. So I do, I do it just enough. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I just never really cared all that much about my pace. And I really just really enjoyed being out on the trails. And so that was more my focus. And I focused more on, you know, um, my heart rate training and enjoyment and could I get more proficient, like you were saying at running trails and not how fast could I go? How many races could I win? I mean, I've, I've never won a race. I've, I've never won a medal. I've never won even my age group, but I've been able to do some pretty epic stuff all along the way for me in my circumstances for what I want to do with trail running and ultras. So yeah. Well, uh, the big question is, is, is eventually did you beat your brother at some point? <laughs> well, I think by default I have beat him because okay. he stopped at the half marathon. So I'm going to say, yes, I oh, win. You, yeah. You, 100%, you won. Yeah. You smoked him. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. You beat him. <laughs> so it's actually, I have a funny side story. Um, so recently just this past Christmas, um, he gave me a birthday or sorry, a Christmas present. And uh, with this funny little note that I'm actually going to read to you, cause it's just hilarious. So he, he gave me this little card and he wrote on it and he said, dear Megan, I apparently know little about running in the woods for a long period of time. So much so that the rest of my family wants no credit for this gift and they got you their own. May you not have to use these items. <laughs> I hope you enjoy if you do. And the the grouping of items was a an exceptionally large can of bear spray, a flare gun with extra flares, and a bobcat call. So like I think he just threw that one back in there for fun, but like <laughs> that's awesome. So you you ought to get a picture. We should have put, put put a picture on the podcast of you running with a can of bear spray, a flare gun. 
<laughs> and then you can hang the bobcat collar on your neck. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So that just goes to prove like, yeah. I sort of lost him at the, yeah. at the half marathon road distance and everything beyond there, bless his heart. He, he just has, <laughs> yeah. he's just let me, you know, go. Yeah. yeah you got this, Megan. You just go, yeah. just go. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so you, um, your first, uh, 50 K, you know, um, mm -hmm. how, how did, how did, you know, what was the, how different was it for you from your marathon? And, you know, was it a good experience for you? I mean, I was terrified and excited. I say this all the yeah. time. I, like I was terrified and excited all at the same time. I showed up to the starting line. I looked at everybody and I was like, well, I do not belong here. <laughs> She's like, I am going to get my butt kicked. Um, and I, you know, I, back then I didn't, I didn't have any friends that ran ultras, nobody, like I, you know, I, I just didn't have anybody to ask. Yeah. I didn't yeah. seek the help of a coach. Cause I was like, I'm a 30 ish year old woman with like, who's like a desk jockey and an yeah. average pace of 13 minute miles. Like, yeah. I don't need a coach. Like who's yeah. going to coach me. So I just coached myself. I mean, I, I was, I was knowledgeable enough to be dangerous because I had, you know, I'd been a personal trainer. I was a yeah. yoga teacher. Like I, I had all these, I had this, you know, I was an athlete, so I yeah. was relatively dangerous. Um, but there was lots of stuff that I didn't know. And so I, I learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. I Googled everything. Um, that's yeah, basically, yeah. you know, how I got through that first race and I finished my first, it, I did, um, the, the Pineland 50 K in Maine actually. And, uh, at Pineland farms, it's, it's a little bit of a different race now. It has since moved, but it was a looped race, which was great. And on these just rolling Hills, you, you never actually got a break. It was always these rollers. Yeah. Um, and it was hot and it was dirty and I survived and I finished, I think I finished in like six hours and six fifteen, maybe, um, yeah. which I thought was, you know, pretty yeah, decent. Yeah. For my yeah. first trail race. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. Where, where do I sign <laughs> well, up? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, and, and it's it, like some of the things you have to find out about, you know, and you, that's what you go like nutrition is so much more important because you're out there for such a period, you know, hydration, uh, electrolytes, yep. all the, you know, you got to, even from a, mar you know, a marathon, if you want to run it well, you've got to, you know, calculate some mm -hmm. things or whatever. But when you start moving up, you got to figure out how to fuel your body, what, you know, and, and all the, all the things. And that's, that's kind of, I mean, Google's great, but, uh, it's hard when you, you know, if you're, it's, it's always good to ask people because everybody's has experiences and you've got to figure out what's going to work for you. So it's good to, I still ask, I asked yesterday, I was at the shoe store and I, one of the ladies there who's done a whole bunch of hundreds, um, she's been on the podcast before. And I was like, what are you eating right now during a hundred miler? Like, what are you, what are you eating? And she's yeah. like, oh, just sandwiches, food. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> real food. I'm a big yeah, fan okay. of real food. Okay, all right, all right. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get there then. But, uh, you know, just, and just, so we, I, I ask everybody, even though, you know, even people that, that, have run less than I have. I, yeah. Cause I just want to know what's, what's working for people. Well, yeah. And I also think like, you know, you can't be everywhere all the time. So they might have heard something or have access to a product or something that you might yeah. have not even heard about. I get people all the time that are like, Hey, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? And I'm like, yeah. yes or no, tell me more. It just is impossible for you to know yeah. everything. So it's good to yeah have a network of, um, 
of friends and ultra runners and people that you can ask questions of. Unfortunately, I didn't have that. So I had yeah, to do everything the hard way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how did you do, uh, how did you end up like, cause we all learn, especially from, from our, yeah. in the beginning, but I mean, we still learn whether we've done it once or 20 times, mm-hmm. but, um, what did you learn on that first one? Like how, how did you plan on fueling and, and did it, did it work? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, um, I used tailwind. I carried my own pack. Mm-hmm. Um, I used tailwind. They had ample aid stations, but I yeah. wanted to really be self-sufficient cause I didn't know what, um, what they would have. And I guess like the other, the other thing of note is I am uh plant-based I'm vegan. So okay. some of the stuff that like, you know, the, the infamous bacon yeah. and all that fun oh, stuff, man. not stuff that I would <laughs> yeah, eat. So yeah, yeah. I needed to plan to carry all of my own stuff and which was fine with me. And I actually prefer to sort of be self-sufficient mm. for the most case, for the most part. So I think I just learned, uh, I knew ahead of time, I don't do well in the heat. And there were parts of that race where you were open and exposed and I was just baking in the heat. So I've since learned, you know, some strategies for that. I just learned, I think for me more than anything on that first one, it was, I really learned the mental shift, like the mindset stuff that I, I had sort of been building over time as I was practicing and doing these long runs and and whatnot. But I really learned that, um, you or whoever you are, I possessed the ability to really make it happen up here, up in my head. And that would translate down to my legs. And so that to me has become a real big part of my training, but also part of what I help other athletes with too. Um, just because I, I know I have experienced firsthand the power of your mental capacity and it's something that's totally underutilized for sure. Well, so, so you and I are both, we both coach runners and stuff. And so I'm just smiling when you're saying this because part of the, yeah, we're training, you know, we're getting people to to do these runs, to train themselves physically. Yes. You have to be physically prepared. You don't want injuries and all that, but those stupid six hour runs on a Saturday or whatever, you know, that takes so long, a huge part. I mean, I would say, I don't know, at least 50% of it is to get you mentally prepared you know, for it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and practice nutrition, practice hydration, you know, mm-hmm. and phys- get physically ready, but, but mentally to know you can, you can do it. And yeah. and when you hit the tough spots, you practice what to deal, you know, how to deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's process over everything. I I'm a firm believer, you know, mm. you have to have a process, you have to have shown up consistently. You have to have put in the practice. Mm. And I think, you know, people, one of the biggest questions that I get is like, how do I know if I'm ready? How do I know if I can do this? And my, my famous question, my famous answer to this is, and anyone who's worked with me or, you know, hung around with me for any length of time will know that my answer is you're not going to know until you do it. So until, you know, you have to be willing to believe hard to the point where, you know, when you talk about it with other people, or if someone were to listen in on the conversation you're having in your head with yourself, they would think you were quote unquote crazy, right? Because you just believe yeah. so hard in your ability to do it. Yeah. Because I think that if you, if you half ass it, that, um, then you don't believe that you can do it. And then your actions will follow those thoughts. I mean, it's just like this, this, cascade effect, right? What you think is how you act and it's the results that you're going to get. So if you believe hard and you act as if you are that person, 
I mean, I know we're going to get to talk about Tahoe, but like, that's how I got myself to Tahoe through Tahoe, finishing Tahoe. It's just like, I believed like a crazy woman that (laughs) I was a 200 mile finisher and I just acted from that place. And that's how I try and help everybody else to think about it. Because if you have any sort of doubt in your mind, Mm. then it's going to seep into all these other areas. And then you'll be like, you'll be trying to go upstream without a paddle. It's just like, how can you fight that? If you can't get right with it in your head and be convinced, fully convinced of your ability in your head, then everything else is going to be exponentially harder. Mm. So this is, this is interesting. So I remember, you know, I've, I've talked to people before and uh, actually talked in front of a group before. And I, I was saying, you know, like, w- like when I would, you said Tahoe. So when I first signed yeah. up for Tahoe, when I, when I got on ultra sign up and did the filling out, when I did it, I was not the guy that could run 200 miles. I was not that guy. But mm-hmm. I knew I could become that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal was to get to that starting line, being the guy who can run 200 miles. And so, um, you know, and then there, there's there's a process and, you know, and that's one of the things like mindset and training. And and mm-hmm. and I, I would like to hear, you know, how you do with your athletes, because it's hard because, you know, if you coach different athletes, you have some that are, man, they're going to you tell them to go jump off a 10 foot whatever, you know, fence and do a cartwheel, they'll do it. And you got some, they're like, why, why am I doing, you know, they, they, yeah. or just don't do it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so that there's a, you want them to have the confidence at the starting line to be able to look back. And cause that's one of the things that, you know, let's talk about, you know, look back at your training, look back at some of those hard training runs you did, look at the work, you know, and mm-hmm. remind yourself of what you did to get here that, that you've prepared yourself, mm-hmm. but then, you know, if they haven't done it, <laughs> you know, and it's they're tricky. still at the starting line, how do you, you know, like, okay, we might need to lower some expectations on time or something, but I think you can still get it done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I really try to get everybody to, you know, have an expectation at the beginning, like set their goals. And again, like right from the get-go, okay. Like yeah. what is it just finishing in my mind? Isn't enough. Like to set the goal to just finish the race isn't enough. We got to put some hard parameters yeah. around it. And I'm totally fine if those parameters or your goals change and morph over time. I'd be surprised yeah. if they didn't, but right. you you have to have it. It's like, it's like, um, going to one of those shooting galleries at the carnival, right. Where like the targets move. Like yeah. if you don't have a hard target to shoot at for this race, for this goal, it's going to be really, how will you ever gauge how you're doing. And so if your goal is to just finish, you can't put any metrics around that. You can't put any mindset work around that. You got to get specific. And like I said, it can change, but that's really where I get people to start. And then, you know, we, you know, when I, when I work with my athletes on a one-on-one, we meet every other week. And so I'm getting to see them and like, hear them talk about stuff and we can really address things over time. And a lot of it comes from, I might, see something from them. They might say something that I can sort of, you know, as a coach, you kind of develop this sixth sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, all right, tell me more about that. And then it kind of devolves into something else. And we can really get to the root of the issue. Sometimes it has nothing to do with running, but it's just the way that they are looking at a challenge or an obstacle. And we can sort of reframe it, but it's always this constant process. And if I can get people to see from the very beginning that it's, if like, don't focus on the race, just if you show up every day and just execute what's on the plan and you do it consistently, I 
I a thousand million billion trillion percent <laughs> promise you that you will be ready and you will be able to do it. And let's just right at the get go, I set the expectation that like yeah. you're not going to know that you can do it until you do it. So just focus yeah. on the process, do the things, and then high five me at the end when you finish. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I can't. So many times I say trust the process. Oh, for sure. Trust the process. Yeah. And and uh, well, just real pause here real quick. And, and you, what you said, one of the things you said, consistency is mm-hmm. huge. Those that are consistent, that consistently mm-hmm. show up that day after day after day, and even rest consistently, like when you tell them, mm-hmm. you know, just that, con- just it's, it's huge. Consistency over time equals success. I mean, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's big. So no, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And so, follow the plan too. Yeah. Like if you have a plan, yeah. follow the freaking plan people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, some of them, you got to rein deviate. them in, man. It's like, Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, got like, people I decided that to do to... 47 miles Saturday instead of 10. What? Oh, it drives me crazy. I'm like people, <laughs> you know, you're like, I get that you, you know, I think a lot of this, and I want to just sort of say this, because I think people will be really, uh, they, some people might need to hear this. More is not better people. Okay. Like yeah. more is not better. You touched on this concept of rest. Like I actually just did uh, a podcast episode. It came out today, the day that we're recording this on running four days a week. And how, like when I first started the coach that I had actually hired to help me train for my first road marathon had me running six days a week. And mm. that really fed into the sciatic pain that I was having and just the general degradation of my body. And so I've done every distance from 50 K to 200 miles running four days a week. And so, you know, it's possible you guys to, to do this stuff without burning yourself down, um, from the inside out, you know, if you get smart and strategic and you follow the plan and don't add to it, don't deviate from it. Don't (laughs) second guess it. Like if you just follow the plan and trust the process, like we're talking about it, 1000% works. Yeah. Well, even not only physically, because you, your body will get tired and won't, you, you have to have time for your body to uh, mm-hmm. the, the adaptations that it's making mm-hmm. to heal up, to, to, to recover, to get ready for the next hard run or, you know, and then yeah. also mentally, if you don't rest mentally, you're going to be fried. I mean, I've been there, yep. you know, and people listening here, if you, you, you just, you just I, can't, I don't even I can get to the race. I'm dying yeah. here, you know? You yeah. Just, yeah. So many people, so many people, I get lots of messages from people that are just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, tell me what you're doing. And just like, it's a full-time job. I'm like, are you a paid sponsored athlete? Like, is this your job? Because like, this is a lot of training and they're like, yeah. And, and my, you know, I'm having to leave work early and just, you can tell, like, it's not working. I'm like, okay, we got to like hit the reset button here. We got to figure out a new way to do this or else you're never going to make it. Like you said, you're never going to make it to race day. Well, and it's very important. I mean, you know, for, for so many people, cause we all have like, you know, families and jobs and, mm-hmm. and I, I tell my, especially, you know, especially, well, all my athletes, but you know, some of my guys, I'm like, dude, balance, you know, how's your, you know, are you taking care of your, your family life? Are you mm-hmm. there for your kids? You know, let's, you know, you, you, you got to balance, you got to maintain yeah. balance. Cause if you, yeah, if totally. you succeed at a race and your life falls apart, uh, you've, you failed. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, anyway, well, that's a big, big, big tangent, but, uh, yeah. very important, very important, very important. Um, so, so you, you did the 50 K you learned from it. Um, mm-hmm. and it, did you, did you immediately there start jumping in distance? Did you do some more 50 Ks? How long before you, 
Yeah. I did a couple more 50 Ks and then I was like, okay, I think, you know, it's, it's the, it's the slippery slope that lots of people have, 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 yeah, yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid and I was like, you know, 50 K to 50 miles, it's not that much more. So (laughs) I, I I mean, it's kind of a lot, but you know, you're already in it. So you might as well just keep going. Right. Um, I have to say of all the distances, and this is going to sound very odd, but of, uh, of all the distances, 50 miles is my least favorite. Cause I think it's like just hard enough to suck, but like not short enough to be fun, like a 50 K. So, <laughs> so you, you feel like you got to push hard, but then you like, you hit 50 K and you got to keep going for 18 more miles. Is that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've actually never, uh, I've actually never officially finished a hundred K I DNF'd that. Um, I've never done one either. I've never, never even started one. I just had, oh, I skipped well, there it. You yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that was a hard learning lesson for me on that hundred K. Cause I, I DNF'd for two reasons. One, uh, heat exhaustion. I was, mm. I was definitely, um, not prepared for the heat, but the race course was actually, it was a, it was a course that sort of, gosh, I don't know how to, I'm doing a terrible job of describing it. Basically it was a cycling race, a cross country mountain biking race that the race director sort of morphed a trail run into. And it was more focused Mm. on the, the cyclists than the runners. And, um, uh, some of the self-serve water stations were bone dry by the time runners got there. And then the course was marked so poorly and it was literally no word of a lie about five miles from from where I am right now, I was so lost in the woods. Um, I was like, and, and I had no cell phone service. Uh, so we're sort of in that part of New Hampshire where if you just turn left two degrees, you might lose your cell phone service. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. I happened to be in one of those dead spots. And, um, so I ended up, um, uh, pulling myself up from the race and just being like, if I, cause I knew I, as I was going back into the woods on this one section, it was where I got lost before side note, I actually found a a French Canadian gentleman wandering in the woods with no water and adopted him and brought him (laughs) like out of the woods. I mean, it was sort of a complete cluster. Um, so I, I, that was my, that was my first official DNF and I was totally okay with it because I was like, this is just dangerous, you know, just dangerous. So yes, at some point. So yeah. And, and you know, people joke death, death before DNF. No, yeah, no, no, no. You just, no, I mean, it's not worth it. Yeah. That one was actually very close for me. Cause like, I really had some, I was borderline, like, you know, heat stroke. Uh, my husband had to look at me, my fiance at the time, he had to look at me and he was just like, okay, yeah, no, this is not good. Yeah, you're, you're, you're done. <laughs> my wife's done that before. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> yeah. You're done. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So, okay. So no, you know, hundred K. So, so 100K, at some yep. point you decided, well, I didn't do the hundred K, but you know, mm-hmm. th- those are things out of your control, but what was your first hundred miler and what drew you to it? Um, my first hundred miler was a uh, ghost train, the ghost train 100 here in New Hampshire. Again, probably like half an hour from where I am. And what drew me to it was it's, uh, well, it's hindsight being what it is. I may not have chosen this as my first race, but I chose it because it was close. It was close in proximity. It's easy to crew because it's a out and back, um, with three aid stations, two of which you can get to with crew members. So I could see crew basically every seven and a half miles, which was great. Um, and it was flat, but in hindsight, (laughs) I might not have chosen a, a very flat race with a little bump in it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, the first year I did that one, I actually, uh, well, technically in my mind, I DNF'd it, but I finished 75 miles before my left knee started doing some weird stuff. And I was like, mm, I like my knee a lot and I can always come back to this race. So yeah. I, I stopped. Um, okay. 
and learned a ton of lessons, uh, so many things that first time through. And it's funny because I had given my husband strict instructions on that race that unless I was, unless there was blood, a broken bone, or like the medical staff tapped me out that I was not, I was not going to stop. And, um, (laughs) I had so many, uh, so many interesting, I'll, I'll give you the, the cliff notes version of this. I, cause I think people will appreciate this and it, many people can resonate with it, but they'll all see like the evolution of events that led to this DNF. And then yeah. maybe it will help some people keep themselves safe. So I treated the race, like it was a 50 miler, uh, mm. first and foremost, like I just, I went into it. I did not treat it like with the respect that it should have been given. So I had a, with, with training or planning. Day of execution. Day of execution. Got you. Yep. Okay. Training spot on yeah. all the good, like did all the miles, did all yeah. the planning. It was the day of execution. I just went into it and I was just thinking, okay, it's just like, it's just like a 50 miler only twice. And <laughs> that makes sense, but really doesn't. So um, I had a really good day. It starts at 9am. I was really good for the first 12 hours. I picked up a pacer, my friend, and I, at probably 10 30 at night. And it was just a precipitous decline from there. I wasn't drinking enough. I wasn't eating enough so that by the time 10 30 or 11 came around, I was, um, I got sick, um, both ways. And then basically had to walk to the aid station, got to the halfway point, got some broth, left the eight, left the original aid station, my home base without the proper layers, the temperature plummeted. I was hypothermic. The aid station gave me some broth, which I promptly puked back up again and then made it to the other end, had called my husband on the way and was like, I need all of my warm clothing. So he trucked it down to the other end, Um, almost lit myself on fire at the bonfire at the other (laughs) side because I was just depleted, no calories. Like, I, you know, you know how it was. Um, So got my warm clothes. They spun me around. My pacer had to leave. So I had to walk, well, walk, run the seven and a half miles back to home base. Time was very fluid. I think it maybe took me two and a half, maybe three hours to walk those seven and a half miles. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. And almost like a mile out from the, from the end, it started raining and I'd been having like a little come to Jesus with myself like this whole time. And, um, by the time my husband, he actually walked out to get me and he was like, okay, what do you need? Like some oatmeal. And I was just like, no, I'm done. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he was such a good soldier. Cause he was just yeah. like, he had, he had had his instructions, like no, you know, no DNF. And I was just like, no. And I listed out all the reasons. And I was just like, look, this is, this is what's going on. I was like, boom, 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 boom. He's like, okay, but, but like, why don't you just lay down for a little bit and have some oatmeal. And I was like, okay. I, I was like, yeah, fine. But eventually I just, I was like, I, my knee and all these other things. I was like, I can't even imagine trying to run another marathon right now Yeah. and I won't make the time cut off. So I was just like, this was a learning lesson. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, so do you think, um, because, you know, a lot of people listening, you know, when you, when you do Hills, you know, you're changing up muscle groups, you're, you're, you're yep. varying things. And, and, and we have some rails to trails, uh, near here that I've done. I've done, uh, my fastest hundred miler was on Prairie spirit in Kansas and it had, it was great, but I prepared for it because that same, you know, your motion, you know, mm-hmm. just, is that, is that kind of what happened with your knee? Just, I think I just, 
you know, I, because I had done 50 and then DNF to hundred K and then went right to a hundred, I think I could have certainly learned a lot at the hundred K distance. I, I just hadn't yeah. gone that many miles before. So yeah. 50 had been the longest yeah. mileage that I had done. And I had done plenty of back-to-back 25 days and, and a 30 and a 20. So I had, you know, racked yeah. up a lot of back-to-back long run days, but 50 was the longest I had gone. And so you know, I just missed out on that extra 12 mile learning experience. And so, and, and coupled with the fact that I treated it like a 50 miler, I didn't, I was way, I way underestimated the, my, my food. I mean, just, yeah, it was a, it was a cluster all the way around. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's, and that's, I mean, we, we, we learn if we, we need to use those times, you know, and so, so you learned your lesson and then Mm -hmm. you went back to the same one to, to, to get it done. I did. I had, I had unfinished business. <laughs> yeah, so understand. I've actually, I've started that race three times. I finished it twice. Nice. Um, and so I finished my first hundred miler there and, um, it was, it was great. I was like super, I had, had, you know, felt like other than being very tired, felt mm-hmm. really good. Like, yeah. you know, no joint issues, no sciatic pain, no, none of that stuff. I mean, my stomach was a little wonky, but it was night and day. I mean, I learned all the hard lessons on the first time through and then took all of that and, and doubled down on it for the next one. And it was just, it was great. It was awesome. Was it the next year or did you wait? Gosh, you would think I would know that question. (laughs) Yeah. I think I would know that answer. I think it was the next year. And then, yeah, cause it was, um, cause I finished, I think I finished it in, tw- I finished it into, tw- I should go look. Cause I have. The okay. So you did the 75 the and 18 mm-hmm. and then the 119 and then I was going to do it 2020, but then it didn't happen in 2020. Right. And then I did it again in 21. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you didn't go back and make the same mistakes, man. You went out and you took yeah. care of business. That's yeah. good, you know? And the, the funny part is, you'll you'll appreciate this. I was in my tent the night before the race in 2021. And I that was when I entered the lottery for Tahoe 200. <laughs> like the oh, night nice. before that race. <laughs> that is great. That's I was great. like, well, here goes nothing. And I just threw my name into the lottery. <laughs> so, okay. So so what madness brought you there? So, you know, like you're, you're doing, you did a hundred miles. You're getting ready to do another, and he's like, I, I think I want to do 200 miles. What what about it? Because I, I know what drew me, but what drew you to it? I think it's the I think it's I think it's just the whole well, if a hundred miles, if if 50k wasn't my limit and 50 yeah. miles wasn't my limit, and a hundred K gave me a little bit of a like a problem, <laughs> and a hundred miles wasn't my limit, and I'm about to finish, you know, knock on wood at that point, like finish yeah. hundred miles for the second time. Like, what is my limit? Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, well, um, I guess the next logical thing is I'll just enter. And honest to God, I didn't think I was gonna get in. Like I yeah. literally didn't think I was gonna get in. So I was like, this is yeah. <laughs> laughable. Yeah, no problem. And then three weeks later, I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> crap. Oh, crap. Yeah. Now, what do I got to do? Oh, so I love it. I love the logic, though. And I'm just like that because of the, the, the limit. It's like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I can go more. I feel like I can go more. But so you went from a, a very flat hundred. I think mm-hmm. I can go run 200 miles in the mountains. 
at altitude when I live basically at sea level. Yes. Yeah. Same, same here. Same here. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah it, it makes sense. Totally let's, logical. Let's, let's give it a shot. No, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I kind of was the same thing. Tahoe just kept calling. It was calling, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, when I, that year, when I didn't get into Western States, I was, I was watching the lottery and I was like, Oh, I didn't get in. Got on my phone. Boom. Uh, Tahoe 200. And I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> you know, I did it. <laughs> you know? Um, so how did you, um, you, you, you did it. You, three weeks after the, after you finished another hundred miler, you, you know, you're healing from it. You find out you mm -hmm. get in, how did you modify your training and all to get yourself prepared for 200 miles in the mountains at Lake Tahoe, being a flatlander in or being, uh, you know, running a flat race and being at sea level. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think those were my biggest fears. And so sort of mm -hmm. going back to, you know, what we talked about earlier, just like I decided to just lean into them yeah. hard. Cause I was like, I'm not, here's the dominant thought that I had. I'm not going to go all the way out there and put all this effort in to DNF this race. Yeah. So I'm going to throw everything, everything I have at this, I'm going to go all out and all out doesn't mean training 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just means yeah. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it and, um, just do everything that I can. So, you know, the altitude was, was probably the thing that I was worried about the most. And I I've been at altitude before, mm -hmm. but I've never run at altitude before. Yeah. So I went into this with the perspective of, I'm just going to be as cardio fit as I can be. And yes. if I get sick, then it's, you know, I even went so far as to, um, I don't remember what the name of it is now, but there's a, um, a medication that you can take that sort of mitigates some of the effects yeah. of, um, altitude sickness. So I went to my PCP and I was like, okay, what's like, what's the deal with this? And she was like, well, I would be a little uncomfortable giving this to you since I won't be there to see the effects of it. And I was like, yeah. okay, fine. So Dramamine, she was like, yeah, just take the, and so I never actually needed it, but, right. um, yeah. So that was like, my, I think the altitude more than anything, because I knew I had proven to myself that I could do hundred miles, that I could do it twice. I actually felt really, really good off of the back of my last hundred miler. So I'm just, yeah. I, my thought was, okay, I'm just going to do that again. And I had done <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a bunch of research about running 200 miles, which like the literature is very scarce. I'm just going to like put it out yeah. there. Like there's just not a lot, but I will say the stuff that I read was, you know, hindsight again was very helpful, which was basically yeah. just like, you know, treat it like it's a hundred miler, but like, it's, um, you're, you know, it's like, it's just like a four day event, you know, yeah. you're just going to keep moving. So you just have to train smart. You need to practice your weaknesses. You need mm -hmm. to really focus on taking care of your body, not yeah. only like food and hydration, but any sort of physical, like chafing <laughs> or yeah, feet. And oh my God, my feet were um, my feet were so good for like the first 150 miles. And then the last 50 was just oh, man, crazy. That's crazy. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So it was oh. just all those things. And so I just leaned into it hard. I did a lot of time on the stair machine at the gym. I yeah. just like did all my runs. I was crazy diligent with all of my mobility mm. stuff. Um, and it worked. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you, um, uh, did you, uh, you did uh, stair stuff. Did you incorporate mm -hmm. some like, um, uh, like hiking into your, uh, into your training to get yourself ready? Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of long runs wearing my pack mm -hmm. fully loaded. Yeah. Um, I wore my pack 
around the house, fully loaded. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't, cause we have to, you know, cause you know, for people listening who may or may not know, there's a whole list of mandatory gear yeah. that you have to carry. Yeah. And so luckily, like I had most of that stuff. And so basically I just loaded up my Solomon pack and wore it around the house. Fully, I, I would drink from it, you know, like I just would fill it up <laughs> and that awesome. was my water for the day. Um, Somebody comes to the door, like what's up with this woman? <laughs> hey, Hey, you never know. It's my bug and, out bag. <laughs> yeah. And then so like a little hack that maybe a lot of people might know about, but I, this is a, I have a standing desk. I mean, I, I, I mm-hmm. work for myself. I work from home. Uh, I have a standing desk. I actually have a treadmill underneath my standing desk. So I would just stand all, I would stand nice. all day. And like, yeah. if I were going to walk, it's very, it's super slow. It's not like I'm power yeah. walking and I can't raise the incline on it, but I just focused on how many hours a day can I stand? Mm. How many hours a day can I move? Yeah. Actually, the one thing I did do that was, was very helpful, uh, from a sleep deprivation uh, perspective is, and people will appreciate this. I did a Goggins challenge oh, during yeah, my yeah. training four by four by 48, yeah. four by four by 48. And, um, I'm, I'm somebody who loves my sleep. I don't like, Same. I don't, yeah. I don't sleep all day, but I really need a solid seven to eight hours. And so doing that really helped to train me for being up. And for my previous, uh, for a couple of previous hundred milers, I had just stayed up all night and, you know, just stayed up and walked on my treadmill and rode my bike on the trainer and watched TV or whatever. It wasn't really the same. This really helped me to like, you know, prep for m- <laughs> mile 150 <laughs> at 5am where you're just like, okay, there's, you crack open the well, there's nothing left in there. And you're just like, okay, we're just going to keep going. It's got to go. It's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the people listening, have I got to tell you that they have heard this story before, but at it was mile, I don't know, I think it was at the uh, mile 101 or something, you know, mm-hmm. I got 100 miles to go and it's dark, it's cold, and I'm about to go out into the cold darkness. And I just, my wife, you know, crew and she was there and uh, I just started laughing and she's like, oh my God, he's losing it. What is going on? You know, and she's like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and she said, yeah, like, it is. And I'm like, well, see you later. Just Here we go. Into the woods. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Man. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. So many, so many amazing Tahoe moments. <laughs> we could do a whole <laughs> yeah, Tahoe yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and, and I think the four by four or 48, one of the things about it is you, you, you do all these miles and of course it's not, but you're, you sleep and then you got to get up and go run. And that's something important. And I, I want to ask you, how did you, how did you plan for sleeping during your Tahoe 200 experience? And, and, and how did that, how did your, did your plan work out or did you deviate from it? Yeah. So gosh, this was like one of those things where I was just like, I have no idea. I yeah. just don't know because it's yeah. going to be largely dependent on pace and my response to the altitude. Yeah. So I really, so originally I should say I had planned to run this race with a, uh, a, a former client slash friend of mine who also got in. So the both of us were like, great, we're going to yeah. do this together. And then we had assembled a little crew that involved my husband and then my pacer, Frank, who actually is doing Tahoe this coming year. And I'm going to nice. crew and pace for him. So, oh, that's sweet. um, I've come full circle. Yeah. Um, he's going to get to see the course at in, during the day instead of just at night, which yeah. he saw with me. So basically we were just like, I'm going to sleep at the sleep stations. Like that's just, you know, every 50 yeah. miles I'm going to try and sleep. And then if I need to take a trail nap, then I'll do that. Yeah. 
So it worked out that the, that that's what we ended up doing. So the yeah. first night, um, Ben, ultimately my friend, Ben, who, who I was planning to run it with ended up having a, a medical issue and had to stop. So the first night we got into the 50 mile, uh, first sleep station, gosh, I don't really remember. It was in the wee hours of the morning. So I'm going to say 3am relatively, yeah. um, <clears throat> That was later than we wanted to get there. So I basically was really rubbing up against the time cutoff because I really wanted to have like a three or four hour buffer against that cutoff at all times to to work off of. So I basically had to take a quick power nap and then I was in and out. And so basically that's what I did. I slept every 50 miles and it was most likely, gosh, I think the longest I ever really slept was maybe an hour and a half. I think we yeah. calculated. I only got six hours of sleep Okay, during the whole thing. Well, that, that and that's, I think that's, that's pretty good. I mean, mm. you know, going what I did, I did, I was kind of like you, I didn't know what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. And I ended up, I, and I, I, what I tell people is plan your, try to try to plan your sleep, like have a plan or it'll mm-hmm. plan you because oh, you'll, sure. you'll end up, I mean, I'm sure you've had time, you know, just just bobbing and weaving on the trail, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There was one section on the way, um, I'm not even going to be able, so coming out of tunnel Creek, running through incline village on the way back, like to go up the, um, power line section. And then yeah. after that, there was that whole section where I was basically sleep running. I <laughs> literally, I, t- I talk about, I talked about it on my podcast when I, yeah. uh, when I interviewed my pacer Frank, cause we thought it would be funny to like re- oh, rehash yeah. all of our That's times together. Stuff. I'm going to have to go listen was, to that one. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's epic. It I think it's like two and a half hours long. So be, be prepared. <laughs> I got running to do <laughs> Yeah. I basically was uh, my sleeping. I would just open my eyes. Could I see Frank's feet? I'm good. I'll just keep shuffling. And I mean, I, there was a whole stretch where, I mean, I, without Frank, I wouldn't have finished that race because there was a section where I just was so tired and I, we were on, I, I didn't have the luxury of sleeping. I needed to keep moving. Um, and I was, he was like, look, you're going to get to sleep when we get there. So just move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. go. Just, the, the sooner you get there, the more. Yeah, yeah. That, and that was yeah, that was my drive. He's like, the sooner we get there, the more, the faster you can sleep, the more sleep you get. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm just, you know, if I fall over, just pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's hard to explain to people, but I'd like for you to, um, you know, just to give, you know, and then we got some other things we need to get into for sure. Yeah. But but the feeling of like I, you know, I had finished, I'd, I've done quite a few hundred milers before I I did uh Tahoe 200. And, 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 you know, I get a, maybe a little emotional, like, you know, they, but the emotions more like, yeah, I did it, you know, and kind of excitement and all, but man, when I finished Tahoe, I, w- I got, yeah, I, I, I blubbered, you know, it was just raw, that rawness, you know? So mm-hmm. tell me, tell me, what was it like for you to, I mean, I, 96 hours, 57 minutes, 24 seconds on the trail doing the, <laughs> you may, Hey, no, you finished though. That's, that's awesome. No, no, I'm not, I'm not with time to that. spare with time to spare Yeah, with time. Yeah. You finished with time to spare, but, but just the, that that's a, such a, an amount of time to be mm. pushing, you know, yourself to be moving yeah. forward, to be mentally, physically. And then you, and then you get there mm-hmm. and, and you, and, and, and on top of that, all the training you did all the time, yeah. walking around your house with a pack all the time, you know, all those things you did to get there, to get to that finish line. And, and I don't know, how do you describe that? What do you, what did you feel? Well, I'm going to disappoint you a little bit because when <laughs> I got to the finish, I was very, I was 
And I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier. I had yeah. lived in that place for so long. Yeah. I yeah. had spent so many runs like visualizing that, mm-hmm. that I had lived it so many times already. So when I was there, I was like, oh, and I'll tell you another funny story. <laughs> I'll tell you that in a second because it really is. It is so amazing. But like I crossed the finish line and I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, That's of what's course. Up. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's that. up. Like, yeah, I, yeah, of course I did this. Right. Like, I love it. So, and so, but like over the course of the 200 miles, I had a lot of, I call them, I call it highs and lows. Like, and I talk yeah. a lot about like, you know, managing the highs and managing the lows and not getting too invested in either of them, trying to just be pretty even keeled. So I, we had some epic times where, you know, like the sunset, I don't know if you remember the couple of sunsets that we had, they were pretty epic over the course of those four days. And, you know, I would just get to, I would just sit down and take a little lean against a tree for a minute and just be like, wow, I'm really tired, but this is so freaking amazing. Like, yeah, this is so amazing. And people will hear that people who don't quite understand ultra runners will hear that and be like, you're psycho, but it is, it was just so cool to be out there and like moving and running. And like, you know, once I had surpassed the hundred mile turnaround, every step I took was the farthest I'd ever run. And so that's sort of a joke between Frank and I were now, no, this is as far as I've run. No, this is as far as I've run. And so that was my thing the whole time. I really got, um, I got super emotional on, I don't know, let's call it day three. Cause I don't really remember where it was, but it was like, I think it was day three because time is fluid. You don't know up nor down. Yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. slept. You're dirty. Yeah. You're hungry. Maybe not. You're tired. You just like your yeah. feet are starting to shred a little bit. And I just got really emotional because I used to run with my friend, Steve, and he was in the military and we would, um, we would sing cadences. Like he would teach me some of the cadences that he used to sing in boot camp. Yeah. And I got really emotional. And so I like put on one of those cadences and like it, I was running on day three, which I did not think I was going to be able to do. And I was yeah. like moving. And my pacer Frank was like, I'm having a hard time keeping up with you. Could That's you so like, awesome. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, so when you asked the question about, I really thought that I was going to be emotional when I yeah. finished. And then when I got there, I was just like, well, yeah, of course. Cause like I've been living in this place for so long. And I think it's such evidence of the fact that if you believe hard enough and you live from that place, mm. like everything I did was would a Tahoe 200 finisher do this? Yeah, like, is yeah. this how that person would operate? Is this how they, and if the answer was no, then it was off the list. Yeah. And the answer was yes. And I'm like, I'm in. All right. Like if you had yeah. told me I had to, I don't know, dr- drink green juice every single day. Like that's what I would have done. Like I just was yeah. so invested in this. Cause I was like, I am not going to come all this way mm. to DNF. And that was my driver the whole time. I just yeah. like, you know, it's just like they started the car and then I was just off. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I was just off. <laughs> um, nice. so the funny story I want to tell you is that you would think that over the course of 200 miles that like, you know, it's trail, you know, that you would maybe have some bumps and bruises, like you would trip and fall. I made it 199.5 miles before I, nope, I did before I tripped and fell. And I cut, you know, when you come down the last like incline into, I, before people, before people can actually see you, which is a good thing. Okay. I was, I was up in the, I was up in the switchbacks up there on like the, um, 
the wood chips where the yeah, wood chips are. Yeah, yep. And I don't know what happened. I just like, my husband was with me cause he paced me for the last <laughs> 10 miles in and we're just walking along and it's blazing hot. And then all of a sudden my feet just go out from under me and I just wham, I just go right down. I laughed so hard. He looked at me like, <gasps> like I was just <laughs> laughing so hard. I was like, Adam, I just made it 199.5 miles. I didn't fall one freaking time, but I fall half a mile from the finish. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the Lord's way of saying, it'll keep you humble. You're about to finish yeah. this thing, but you're going to eat some dirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I fully, I fully believe that because I just was like, you know, I was like about to cross the finish line, super proud of myself, patting yeah, myself yeah. on the back, not paying attention to my foot placement and wham. <laughs> that's, that's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, trail running and ultras have a way of, of humbling us when we think we got it under control. For yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, and, and you and I, I don't know, we agree. I mean, it's amazing what we can do, what our bodies can do when we can train. And so you've, I mean, you've, you've, you've done these things and, and you've trained yourself, yeah. and, but you also kind of, what I love about, about what I've seen that you're doing is you, you have a mission to try to help others, mm. you know, push their potential, get into to ultras. And particularly you, you, you're trying to get ladies to, you know, try to help ladies get their first 50 K. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and how that started. I just looking back, you know, after I had gotten some perspective on doing some of the longer races, like hundred milers and whatnot, I, I was just like, this is such an amazing, not to be super cliche, but like life-changing experience mm -hmm. that I think more people need to have it. And so I just, you know, everywhere I would go, people would be like, oh, that's so amazing. I wish I could do it. But, and I would just be like, you can you, but you can, like, <laughs> it is totally possible. Like yeah. you can totally do this. And I just, I just finally figured out that, you know, it's just a lot of what we've been talking about. People don't see themselves from that space. They, they don't know how to get themselves from point A to point B. And so I just decided that I was going to sort of make it my mission to document the process and then try and you know, pave the way, so to speak, like show you the steps. Cause I think when you, you know, just like we've been talking about when you, you get to a certain place, you know how to get from point A to point B, like, you know how to get from half marathon to a marathon. So now you could sort of do that in your sleep. Right. Yeah. But you, it's hard to do what you haven't yet done. And so of course there's a lot of self-doubt and fear and anxiety and, you know, worry about, are you going to be able to do it? And so we shy away from that kind of stuff. But I feel like if you could lean into it a little bit more and just be like, okay, I don't, this is what I tell people all the time. You don't have to know the whole process at the onset. All you need to know is that, okay, if I want to be, uh, um, if I want to run hundred miles, the first thing I probably should do is just run a 50 K. Yeah. And then from there, maybe I run a 50 miler, then maybe I, DNF hundred K, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, learn right. stuff along the way to the point where you start to understand that, Oh, right. Like I don't need to know everything at the beginning. I can figure it out as I go, the steps right. will become more apparent. And so that's just sort of, you know, I've just decided that I'm going to make it my mission to try and coach and help, um, either coach and, or just provide resources that will help you specifically if you're a woman get to your first 50 K finish. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And, and, yeah. Take the next step and then figure mm -hmm. out the next step after that. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, let's, 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 uh, let's kind of backtrack a little bit to what, cause I, I definitely want, um, 
to to talk about your the, the mobility things that mm. all the things that you've learned and then you know with your coaching that you've been you've been putting out there and it's funny because I've been having um some um kind of some hip issues and mm-hmm. some things like that but I started I I found some things kind of like you know you you figure it out and started yeah. doing some exercises and stuff and then one of my runners has been having hip issues and I came across one of your videos that you did about the hips and I was like that's what I've been doing that's awesome and so I sent him your videos and I was like love it do this. And so he's, he's been getting, you know, it's been helping him out, you know, do, doing some of those things. Yeah. So Love I it. appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> and so I was like, I need to get her on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hip stuff is like, is very obviously like the sweet spot for me because I struggled with it for so long. And so I feel like so many rug- runners struggle with hip stuff because yeah. You know, we have over dominant quads perhaps and underutilized hamstrings and, you know, and and it's funny because like hip stuff just is like my, my mobility geek starts to like come out of me, but like, it's not always because you're the thing that causes the discomfort that isn't always the root source of the problem, but it's the thing, like if you're, if you're in a lot of pain, like you're going to want to address that first. And so, yeah, if it's hip stuff, start with hips. And then you might also find that maybe you have some funky ankle stuff happening, or maybe you can't separate your spine from your hips or like your spine doesn't articulate as well as it could. And it's just, it's all connected. So that's what I, I think about mobility is so fun is that like, it is all connected that if you work on one place, it starts to feel better and you get the net ripple effect of how it intertwines with the rest of the body. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it, it's amazing how it's, how it's all connected. And as long as many, as much as I've run and the things, the injuries I've had and things I've been through, you know, I still, still learning all the time, you yeah. know, and like, Oh, what is this pain and where did it come from? Yeah. <laughs> So it was, it was really cool to see. And so, I don't know, I love that you're putting things out there and that, you know, it's part of your, part of your mission, part of what you do is Mm. to help other people. It, and I think, I think, uh, just from my perspective, I've neglected, um, some of the, that core work, I, you know, I've got, I'll go do my bro lifts and stuff like that, you know, at the gym and all that, but I've neglected those important, those core things, the hip things, the, the back, the, all the things that that you need. Mm -hmm. And since I started doing those again, it, I mean, a world of difference. And so I'll just, I'll let you encourage people not to neglect that stuff. (laughs) So what what would you say to people not doing that stuff? I would say your running life and your just day-to-day life is going to get exponentially better. No word of a lie. I mean, I, people probably think I'm crazy just by saying this, but I, I, um, I didn't create this thing. I sort of just pieced it together from other modalities, but I call it the daily shakedown. And it's basically a movement practice that you, I have you for free. I'll give it to you for free. Um, we can, I'll give you the link to, to, to give it to people. Um, and it's just, it's somewhere between like an old school calisthenic warm up that you used to do in like middle school, right? Some yep. yoga and some functional range conditioning principles sort of woven together. And you basically go from head to toe and you just, it's like, you just shake things out. You just work out all the kinks and cramps and knots and all the things that you actually might not even know exist because like when we talked about at the very beginning, I didn't know a world without pain. Like you might be um, unaware that your shoulder doesn't function like a shoulder should. And until you start to do this kind of stuff daily, um, you're not going to know. And you're just, it'll eventually morph into a compensation or maybe an injury or something else. So I'm not lying when I say that when I started, like, this is the thing that I started doing that way back when I was having the sciatic pain, 
that sort of opened my eyes to the fact that, like I just said that, oh, it was my hip that was bothering me, but it was because I was sitting funky and like my ankles are just crap. And, you know, all these other things that I was sort of unaware to. And since I've been doing this over the course of the last 10 plus years, plus some other very focused things, it's just, I don't, I recover faster. I don't ache nearly as much. If you Mm. do a hard effort or a very, very long run, obviously that's going to happen. But like the day-to-day aches and pains are very minimal. Like I said, I recover faster. I'm able to perform better. It's just like a night and day difference. So there's my PSA for your daily mobility practice. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely put I definitely would love to put the link on there because I I, yeah. went, I went through the whole thing and it's it's what like a ten minute uh, ten mm-hmm. to fifteen minute kind of mm-hmm. go and it's, it's and you kind can of a, make it shorter too yeah. like you know once you sort of learn the idea um, mm-hmm. it takes it just takes longer because I'm talking you through it yeah but yeah. once you get the idea you can truncate it to you know however long you have I'm always of the idea that like something is better than nothing yeah. and I'll take it you know if you do if you do five if you do five Five minutes of something every single day. There's no way you cannot get better at it. Right. And, and I, what the way I, I think what I kind of put in my head, I'm like, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a check-in with your body. Yes. It's, it's, it's a check-in from head to toe. It's a uh, systems and, check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Systems check it, and, and, and moving it and, you know, getting it ready for the day. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll definitely include the, li- the link on that. And, uh, you know, and also your, your, uh, Instagram and, and, uh, mm-hmm. you're, uh, we'll put all your links there because, Hey, I, you know, I got, I got the videos from there to be able to send them one of my runners, you know, and it was, it yeah, was- for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my, the, the, my objective with everything that I share on social media is just like to a try to uh, bring some more light to the whole mobility scene. Um, I had to learn the hard way by neglecting my body in that way that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to continue much past my twenties if I didn't pay attention to this stuff. So for any of you guys that are listening and you're, you're, you like running, but you're dealing with a lot of aches and pains, the simplest place to start is to do the daily shakedown. It's, you know, if you've got doctors that are telling you, you need NSAIDs, you need invasive muscle testing like I did, here's your first step. Like definitely, you know, seek out medical advice, but also this is something that is very simple that you can be doing that will help you to feel better. It's that systems check. It'll give you some time and space with your body to figure out, okay, how am I actually doing? I find that on the days that I do it, I have a better understanding of whether it's a good day to push or whether I need to pull back or rest more. I just and more in tune with what my body needs, which sounds very woo woo to some people. But I think as you start to progress into the distances, yeah, like you can get away with a lot of shady stuff at 50 K and even yeah. 50 miles. When you get to the hundred mile and the 200 mile races, you can't get away with that shady stuff anymore. Like yep. you have to have your stuff dialed in. You have to be diligent. you got to do all the things, whether you like it or not. Like it's just about, system maintenance. And if the car doesn't work, right. If you have a faulty, I don't know, I'm not a car person, but like if your battery, (laughs) whatever, right. Like if the parts don't work, then the car's not going to run. Your body's exactly the same way. Well, you mentioned the Goggins four by four by 48 and David Goggins is one who pushed through all kind of junk. And he talks about it in his books where Mm -hmm. he, he, he was, he was messed up and now he stretches and does Mm -hmm. system checks for like a couple hours a day now to keep mobility. And yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like 
there's this pervasive narrative in the ultra running community that's all based on and no knock against Goggins because he's yeah, just yeah. amazing, but just like being so hardcore that you don't need stretching, yeah. that you don't need sleep, that you just can just carry do, the boats, just, just, yes, yeah, <laughs> just do all the things. And I am totally down for, you know, uh, there's a part of me that loves that hardcore mentality yeah. and I am there all day long. Yeah. But then there's the other realistic part of me that understands that there has to be, um, there's a flip side to that and you yeah. will pay the price. Yeah. Right. And so many yes. of you guys that are listening, you might be paying the price of all of that now. And I just don't like that. There's this pervasive narrative that it's either all or nothing, that if you're not in pain, that you're not a true ultra runner, if you haven't lost all your toenails and like sacrificed a kidney or like given a pint <laughs> yeah, of blood exactly. to the trail, it's just like, all, you know, yeah, yeah, it yeah. just, I just don't like that. And I think that that I'm kind of railing against it because I think that's partly what some of these women are hearing and yeah. being like, Oh crap. Yeah, like yeah. I am not signing up for that. Right. Like yeah, yeah. that's not what people at the 50 K distance are signing up for. Like they're signing right. up for a fun trail run. That's slightly longer than a marathon. Right. Yeah. That's the 50 K yeah. experience that most people have. Not this that I'm describing <laughs> over here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that I, I, you know, I agree. There's, there's a, there's a line there. And I love, like I said, I, I love Goggins. I love the yeah. mindset like you, uh, but, but I also want to be able to walk when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> I want to still be able to do stuff, you know, and bingo. And, and it's, so, yeah. and many, many, and much of the ultra running community is 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Like we just yeah. tend to, especially as women, we tend to get better at this as we get older, right? I'm yeah. 44. I have no problem telling people, like, I didn't run my first marathon until I was 30. I didn't run my first 100 miler until I was 40. So, like, I ran 200 miles when I was 43. Like it just, you, yeah. you know, age is only a number. And I think if you definitely, you do the process, you take care of yourself. Um, you, there's no reason why you can't be doing this when you're 80. I mean, if you just pay yeah. attention and do the systems check and like do all the, do all your due diligence for sure. You can do this for however long that you want. Well, and you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 48 and, and I've, there are things I was able to get away with previously that, I, you know, yes that this stuff is important now. And so yeah. I think, I think, uh, it's good that you're bringing, you're bringing it to, you know, bringing it to people's <laughs> attentions and stuff. And so like hundred percent guys do your, do your, your work, do the work. That's not the running, you know, the, mm -hmm. the core work, the, the, all the, all the things that your coaches and that, you know, you should do that you're not doing, do it. it you, you'll feel better. <laughs> I was just going to say, do the stuff. It's always the stuff that like, you think you don't have time for. That's the stuff that you need to do the most, right? Yeah. The foundational stuff. Yeah. And then you'd be injured and then you should, you got all kind of time, but you can't yeah. do it. Is it? Yeah. 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 It's like, it's a vicious cycle. Like if you yes. don't, you don't want to do it because you think you don't have time, but then when you don't do it, then you got all the time and you can't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Megan, uh, before we, I mean, I've, I've kept you for, for a, a good while. It's been great. Um, but, but I have to ask what's what's next what are you doing next you know it's so funny because i've had sort of like an existential crisis over this since i finished tahoe yeah. because you know you get to that point where you're just like what is next like okay yeah. so 200 miles wasn't my limit like what's next <laughs> and i thought about it long and hard and i was i was 
on the verge of entering the Moab lottery for this year. Um, and I decided not to do it uh, for two reasons. One, okay. because uh, I'm going to pace my friend Frank at Tahoe. Um, okay. And so that's in June. So I want to put a lot of effort towards that. And two, I'm really invested, I think, for this next year on helping uh, more women run their first 50K. Mm-hmm. And three, I just haven't found a race that was, you know, was one of those things where I was like, I got to do it. You yeah, know, like yeah. I just got to do it. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I, like I just said, I was sort of having an existential crisis about it because I'm like, okay, so if I do Moab and I finish 240, then what's next? Right. <laughs> yeah, it, you just yeah, keeps yeah, going. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I think at some point you have to draw the line and, mm-hmm. and I think for right now, I'm just going to put a pin in the distance and wait until something else catches my eye. And then I'll decide to do that. I'm probably this year, I'm probably going to go back to running some 50 Ks because it's been a long time since I've just like done a fun 50 K. So I'm going to do that. Um, a friend of mine runs a stage race. That's not too far from here. It's a three day stage race that I like to do. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that again this year. Um, I'm kind of, my theme for this year is like have more fun and help more people. So I'm going to kind of stick to that for a little bit, but I'm not ruling Moab out because I really want to go and run that race. Um, I think you'd have a hard time getting me to sign up for Bigfoot, but never say never. Um, and then who knows, maybe Cocodona, but that's sort of yeah. like, I don't know, no, you no, know, it's yeah, just sort yeah. of, yeah. Well, and, and, and it's, it's cool. Cause there, there are, there are seasons, you know, there's, yeah. you know, and, you, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is going to be yeah. the season where yeah. And that's fine. That's, that's a hundred. I, uh, I'm in the lottery for Moab because I have unfinished business. You talked about that earlier. Like yes. I DNF'd it uh, last time I got heat exhaustion. Oh yeah. See, puking. that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I started puking there. They're making, they made some changes this year. Uh, this is a noon start. So we'll end up running a, a long hot section at night. It changes mm-hmm. it up a little bit. And, uh, that's cool. but anyway, anyway, so I got, I have redemption for, for, for Moab. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, hopefully I get in and I can go and Get, you know, get that off my plate. <laughs> well, I have a good feeling that you're going to get in because, you know, I, I have the, so part of the reason why I didn't enter Moab was because I thought, well, if I've entered Tahoe and I finished Tahoe, I think Candace is just crazy enough to accept me into Moab. So I feel <laughs> yeah, like there yeah. might be a higher percentage yeah, yeah, yeah. that I would get into Moab. And yeah. then I, you know, would have to throw a lot at it. Plus I just have like a lot of other stuff that um, I want to do this year because, you know, you spend a good portion of time throwing everything you've got at running 200 miles. You have to take care of some of that. Like I call it housekeeping stuff, even yeah. though it isn't literally housekeeping. It's yeah, just yeah. like, how's your family? Like, yeah, you know, balance. getting to spend time with my husband <laughs> that didn't yeah. involve him crewing me for a race and, like, exactly. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. seeing the rest of my family. So that's not quality can... time. That's not yeah, quality yeah, yeah. time. That's well, I mean, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I exactly. think it is. I try and recruit everybody to come to races, crew at races. Like, I'm like, who isn't having a good time here? Yeah. People are always looking at me like, you don't look like you're having a good time. And I'm like, I'm having so much fun right now. It might not look like it on my face, but inside my head, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> I'm in pain. I stink, but I'm having a blast. <laughs> but this is what I signed up for this is what i signed up for (laughs) so the the name of your podcast is she runs ultras yes it is so people should check that out and then Mm -hmm. uh your uh, i'll have links what are your what's your instagram uh it's find your ultra find your ultra and i'll have links to that in the show notes Uh, make anything else you're doing any other links or anything we need to put out there 
No, I think that that about sums it up. If you're looking for, you know, if you if you're thinking about running your first 50k, I would definitely say go listen to the podcast. Good start from the beginning, or if you want to get to like write the the meat and bones of the how to run your first 50k, you could start at episode 69, which is like I did a five part uh, series on like nice. the things you need to know to run your first 50k. So you could start there. But the whole thing is entertaining. I document. Uh, it started out as me documenting my uh, journey to try and run that second hundred miler sub 24 spoiler okay. alert. I didn't make it, um, but I still had <laughs> yeah. a good time and I finished the race. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I interview have some of my friends on who are experts in their respective genres. And then I've taken to interviewing a lot of the women that I've worked with in my run your first 50 K program. And so they tell their experience about running their first 50 K. And so I think that the more you hear about these experiences, the better off, and you can, you know, you can glean different nuggets yeah. and pearls of wisdom and information that you can then incorporate into your own training. So it's a lot of fun. Sometimes I get on there and rant, um, <laughs> yeah. but I have a good time with it. Um, so if you're looking for help with that, that's a great place to be. And then uh, a lot of the stuff I share on Instagram is mobility driven or process driven about training in general. It could be your first 50 K, but a lot of the stuff that I share on there also applies to whatever distance you're doing. Could be your first, I always say your first or your farthest. So nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Megan, thank you so much. I'm glad, glad, uh, glad I found your, your stuff online and thank you for taking the time to, to, to join me on the podcast. And I hope the listeners will go check out your podcast and check out your Instagram and, and learn more about mobility. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having me on. It was, I have to tell you that, um, you were very helpful in my Tahoe 200 experience because when we did that zoom call, uh, the pre Tahoe oh, yeah. zoom call, you were on there and you shared a, a couple really intricate pearls of wisdom that I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to do that. Oh. Thank you, Dave. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what it was, but it was yeah. like something about someone had asked something about like where on the course or, you know, just certain things. And, and you were reaffirming a lot of what I had thought in my head. And I was like, okay, Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. great. great. And, and then I went and I DNF this one because I, oh. I blew my quads at the turnaround. Yeah, my, I was trashed. I had pulled the quad and uh, I, 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 I just couldn't mentally like I turn around and go back. Uh, yeah. And, and I, yeah, I was limping around for. Oh, for I didn't know while. that. Yeah, oh. yeah, I didn't finish it. So I finished it in 2018. Yeah. And then I, I made it to heaven, but I didn't go back. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, that climb to heaven was pretty brutal. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, it's, I was cursing it all the way up. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on getting it done. And hey, I'll, I'll um I'll be kind of keeping an eye out, you know, for when you decide to. I don't know, do, do the Moab thing or the whatever. So. Well, I'm going to need some crew. So maybe I'll call you. And all you right. Can, all right. You I'll, can crew I'll be me. intimately acquainted with it by then. Yes. By then so, you'll have a second shot at it. You'll have all the course crib notes for all written oh, down. Oh man. Right? Yeah. And I, and I'm always willing to share, I share my cheat sheets, my, my, uh, you know, the, I, I, I do spreadsheets and all that yep, stuff. Yep, and I, yep. I love sharing that with people. So yeah. Awesome. I'll take it when uh, I decide to, I'll take it for sure. <laughs> uh, well, well, thanks again, Megan. And you take care. Thank you. I appreciate it.